Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Each week, Jess Gedeke chats with world-class brand professionals to bring you the story behind the story of some of the most breakthrough innovations, marketing tactics, and campaigns. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Dig In podcast. I'm Jess Gedeke, and I'm super energized today to tap into inspiration from the financial services industry. We'll put on our economic thinking hats and learn from the very talented Michael Nevsky, Director of Global Insights at Visa. Michael, I'm so happy you are here. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Jess. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, let's start with you telling our listeners a little bit about your background. Thank you. Uh, my background is in marketing and uh, marketing research, client insights, and product management. Uh, currently, I work for company, well-known payment company, and uh, what I do on a daily basis, I research consumer mindset and put together a point of view on consumer mindset in multiple markets, including U.S., Canada, and many others. And I also lead primary and secondary research to support global economics team at Visa. Yeah, it's a really big job, and we're going to get into that in more depth. But first, I want to just throw an impromptu question out at you. Uh, what's the last song that you sang out loud? Evidemment. Uh, uh, it's uh, actually a French song, which was not everybody watches that at Eurovision uh, in May of this year. So, and it's a very inspiring French song uh, presented by Canadian singers. So, but not traditional choice but Very i love cool. lots of domestic american uh, songs as well so no oh, it's good we have something to go look up and make sure we've all listened to so thanks for inspiring us there so speaking of inspiring us uh tell me a story you know let's let's dig in our listeners really do crave inspiration from other leaders and i think one of the best ways to get that inspiration is to hear stories and you developed the Spending Momentum Index at Visa, which we might refer to as SMI throughout our conversation. Uh, but this Spending Momentum Index, it's really quite relevant to any brand that wants to quickly adapt to economic shifts and changes in consumer spending. Um, and I'd love for you to tell us the story of that. How did that idea originate? What inspired the SMI? Thank you. That's an excellent question. Uh, before I answer that, just to step back and give a credit to my uh, partners in crime. So originally, spending momentum index, so I will refer that to your point uh, going forward as SMI, uh, was developed as a concept by two brilliant uh, economists, my partners, uh, Badbolt Dulgun uh, and Richard Wang uh, at Visa. And they utilized the uh, uh, internal uh, data to really uh, create an index. But when I joined the team uh, almost three years ago, um, I was really inspired by their analysis, and we're going to talk about that. So, and um, I decided that we need to make a significant improvement to create a really um, demographic segmentation and make it more business applicable. Mm -hmm. And with that said, what is SMI? SMI is an index uh, which um, shows you on a scale of 100. 100 is a neutral. If it drops below of 100, that means people spending less. And if it grows above 100, that means people spending more on a 12-month rolling basis, so year-over-year -year basis. And this index uh, indicates how consumers spend, let's say, in the United States on credit and debit, uh, discretionary and non-discretionary spend, 
and also shows you restaurant and gas spend, certain categories spend. Mm -hmm. So with that said, when this index analysis was created based on internal data, so again, it's not a, some kind of a volume payments or anything like that, it's just an index showing you how consumers spend around the country and it goes by geography. I could uh, show you state, region, uh, down to a large city or county where the sample is available. But they would not tell you who is spending. Uh, lack of demographic uh, information uh, was the biggest challenge. And that's what inspired me to team up with original inventors uh, to really create um, SMI premium version where we would bring demographic segmentation and understand who is spending and where they're spending it on. Mm -hmm. So with that said, um, the story was that, that some of the challenges were uh, the internal, number one, of course, uh, legal compliance, uh, mm -hmm. because Visa is very, very conservative, which is good about uh, customer data, but also lack of data availability, especially on the demographic side. What's the best way we can team up with some suppliers to bring third-party data, like demographics, in what version it needs to be, like syndicated data, depersonalized data, so just the segments at the segment level, not the individual level, because we don't have anything on personal uh, identifiable data by default, but also a lack of such data and reputable providers is a challenge, and you need to find a reputable provider and build a system where you can append the data and create the segments uh, according to all the policies and legal laws and everything else in between. So those factors combined were the biggest challenges besides budgetary and technology and operational. So, but that's how um, uh, we proceeded or I proceeded in terms of the creating the use case, um, mm -hmm. getting that information. Now you ask me just why you were inspired. What was the impetus actually? The impetus was just to provide more insights to uh, economic community as well as uh, my company's partners uh, that provide that business intelligence and understand high level trends. Are consumers spending more or are consumer cutting back? And where are they cutting mm -hmm. back? And what segments of the market cutting back or increasing their spend? To really understand and provide that kind of a forecasting capabilities for my team, as well as support our clients' needs to understand the macro level uh, consumer mindset. So there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of different moving parts and a lot of stakeholders, a lot of people you had to coordinate. You had to have had some barriers or some setbacks in your effort to kind of plus up the SMI. So can you tell us about any of those challenges you might have faced? Yes. Um, so number one, of course, when you join a new team, like in my case, although my previous experience working with syndicated data worldwide consumer panel and providing intelligence services for consumer packaged goods and retail verticals uh, uh, supported me uh, initially. But the challenge was not only building those use cases, uh, providing those internally and uh, through review committees and everything else, but also really build that reputation of the expert because you're coming from a different industry and bring that experience and showing your internal business partners that there is a better way and how to responsibly use the data to build responsible ethical products, which can mm -hmm. still provide some market intelligence. That's number one. 
Number two, privacy, of course. With the new privacy laws, how can we create a depersonalized, aggregated, um, anonymous, anonymized environment internally working with technology? And also how we can append the data, transfer data, convincing my suppliers, business partners that they can send data to our environment so we would never share anything outside of our environment. Mm -hmm. Those are probably three major components. But then you have, uh, I would say this is the... Um, of uh, the um, lower funnel, but the upper funnel, I would say, once you build that, showing and educating and providing more support to your business partners on how to utilize those reports on a monthly basis and how they can support our business partners and their business and what they do. That was another challenge to really educate through education and supporting them uh, to build that kind of a pipeline and support your business partners. So those are major components. You have an internal component and you have an external component for business community to really understand and embrace the products. Right. Yeah, that educational component is so important as with any sort of insights discipline, right? Making sure people understand how it should be used um, and how you got there is so critical. And in terms of how it is being used, there are so many brands that are benefiting, I'm sure, from understanding this deeper look at consumer spending. Can you share some examples of, of brands that have used it and what impact it's had? Absolutely, without naming uh, some brands, but if we're talking about the banking uh, services, uh, one of the use cases, if I look at my own card data versus the total market, how my portfolio of card, credit cards, for example, is doing against the uh, overall market. So, because again, we have certain rules, we don't release any individual results. You know, clients can only look at their own data, right? So, but anyway, benchmarking against the market and mm -hmm. where there are strong sides and where or not. Understanding segments, uh, if it's a marketing purpose, who is spending in what locality in terms of the demographic segment and what they're spending on, like a basic spend, like I said, discretionary and non-discretionary. So which the non-discretionary could include travel, non-discretionary could include groceries, right? So in appealing to those segments at the segment level, that's another one. Or mm -hmm. even if you're trying to staff new location for hotel or restaurant, and you're looking at unemployment rate, you're looking at overall spend and labor force availability because this product comes with economic indicators as well. So to see, is it gonna be hard for me to uh, staff that vacation to have enough, uh, according to my requirement, educated uh, labor force available, but also will this uh, vacation generate enough business for me, right? Because do they have enough traffic that people come to this vacation and spend money on hospitality, spend money on travel, spend money on uh, dining out and stuff like that. Those are probably three most popular cases, benchmarking, activation, and also uh, staffing, I would say, or yeah. understanding the market dynamic. Those are three major ones. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I love that example of staffing because that's good for the brand. So it's good for the hotel chains or, you know, the, the airlines to understand where those shifts are happening. But that also benefits the consumer because especially in the past three years, sure, we've all gone to a favorite place that you just can't get the same service that you once had. And um, so I think that I, I like thinking about how this SMI can benefit certainly brands that are making decisions about some of those considerations. But at the end of the day, it also helps the consumers make sure that brands can meet their needs, right? Yes, 
absolutely. Um, and that's the unique uh, space for us to play because we have that data, national data, we can leverage for trend and a large scale to understand those trends even at the national or regional level. So, and understanding that uh, helps our clients to be more efficient uh, mm -hmm. and um, really understand the dynamic, uh, not uh, time lagged kind of scale, but really almost simultaneous, almost instant, excuse me. So on a monthly basis, because you see what is happening uh, with consumers and we tested this data and it's truly leading indicator of mm -hmm. what consumers going to do for the next six to nine months. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I'm sure a lot of brands are in that planning stage right now where they, they need to anticipate that next time frame. So, well, excellent. What's your biggest takeaway from this effort around SMI? Um, a, a couple, I would say, maybe a few. <laughs> Very good question. Number one, you need to really focus on what you're trying to accomplish and knowing what is your mission, why you're there, why, why you're trying to uh, do what you're trying to do. That's number one. Never lose the sight of that. Is it about supporting your business partners? Is it about bringing better market intelligence, insights to internally or externally, or improve the processes, right? So create uh, better memorable experiences for your clients, um, for example. That's number one. Number two, um, having a real support and education for your business partners. Mm -hmm. Not just trying to bulldoze with your agenda or saying you understand that, that this is what needs to happen. Really build those alliances through education. Share your experience, share your knowledge, listen, take the feedback, adjust accordingly. It's almost like a sprint. So uh, iterate and continue building that and create that synergy. And number mm -hmm. three, probably understand that or predict those challenges down the road, which you might incur, uh, and how you're gonna act in terms of the, maybe having a contingency plan, maybe understanding how long it's gonna take, potentially budget for that. So to overcome those challenges or regulatory um, issues. So having those components in place, and you don't have to know everything, but having those milestones and key check-ins absolutely must so and again always put on multiple hats when you do something like that when you innovate in marketing research you need to do more just conducting the research you need to be a project manager you need to be a leader you need to be educator you need to walk different hats and bring your experiences from all uh, previous uh, backgrounds works uh, jobs you've done over different verticals to really be successful and always be willing to share all of your knowledge to support, again, I cannot really overemphasize that, to support your mission. So this way, when you educate people, when you share, when you provide the support, so people really see partner in you and they're willing to really uh, create that win-win situation. So I completely agree. And I think that the insights professional is under even more pressure than others to wear those multiple hats. You need to have the, the CFO mindset. You need to have the, the marketing component. You need to think about operations. It's just we, to be most impactful, I think, as an insights professional, you really do need to have that cross-functional interdisciplinary approach. And I, I think that, you know, 
is a good segue to, to this next conversation about you as a leader, uh, you as someone in your industry within the, the insights community. Um, what's one of your more passionate viewpoints about the state of, of insights right now? I think what you just talked about is one of them, right? It's just this need to be very multifaceted, but could you elaborate a little bit more on something you're, you're super passionate about? That is an excellent question, Jess. Um, if you look at our industry, if we step back, right? Just one step. Um, what is the environment? Uh, and we put on this hat of being consumers as well, you and me on a daily basis. Uh, we're being bombarded by this uncertainty, inflation, geopolitical events, um, fear of increased unemployment, recession. So companies act the same way. They play cautious, they play caution ball, they try to slow down on their hiring or maybe keeping the resources close to their chests. And we as consumers um, experiencing that. And it creates that kind of uncertainty, which unfortunately 21st century phenomena, but also creates that dynamism and disruption. Mm -hmm. Those three factors, which we all go through as consumers and as businesses as well. So what it dictates for us, how it translates for us as market research professionals. So while we're acting in this environment, we also need to deal with some uh, innovative and new trends like artificial intelligence right mm -hmm. and on top of that we have regulatory challenges because it's getting more and more challenging i would say from our perspective as researchers to conduct our business because privacy laws like gdrp getting stricter and stricter in europe or in the united states or so changing so how can we stay efficient stay uh highly capable and deliver value for our businesses we work for as professionals. So, and I think what is uh, the passion for me, not like very often people would say, it's a natural curiosity, knowing what's next. But to me, it's also understanding the market and trends uh, and trying to predict what is next for us collectively as an industry, as professionals in such a dynamism, disruption, uncertainty environment, and those trends like AI, how is it gonna affect our work? How can I apply that to be more efficient, but at the same time I have third-party cookies being obsolete probably early next year. How is it gonna be more challenging for me to utilize certain methodologies like uh, uh, cross-channel attributions and stuff like that? So should I, be utilizing synthetic data or should they be utilizing AI to create some kind of a value for me, tracking value, maybe communities, et cetera, et cetera, or maybe multi-stage research like your company is practicing where you have a quant and qual and third-party data when you need it and many other aspects of it. So that's kind of a passion of mine to really understand where are we moving because our environment constantly changing and that dynamism is very exciting to me, so. Yeah, it is exciting. And sometimes it can feel daunting, at least to me, but also just the the power of where we are right now. And as an industry, the, the moves we can make, you know, you mentioned a lot of different things that I think at DIG we're very passionate about, but on the topic of AI in particular, it's a place that we're really experimenting and, and we've already implemented a number of things, whether it's helping clients tap into AI to help generate new ideas and sort of fuel that innovation at the front end. 
also obvious applications within the research process to be much more efficient in how we execute uh, research projects, but then also the back end to draw new inspired insights, right? There's just so many applications of it within our system, our ecosystem. And uh, we've got some wicked smart people that are working on it, right? So it's just, it's so fun. And on a daily basis, the advancements that are coming that are shared internally is just incredible. So I'm with you. I think that that is um, going to be, remain a hot topic for sure. Um, in terms of the financial industry, what's your hot take on the future of that? Like what's, what are we going to see in 2024? I think we're going to see more personalization. Uh, and when you say financial industry, uh, there are sub verticals, I would say, right? Wealth management versus banking versus payments. So, but bottom line, um, younger generations want to have more of an application of AI, right? When they, uh, if you will, when they look for products and services, uh, especially younger people, but all generations want to see more personalization and customization. And yeah. even, even if they will look at the ad, it needs to be really applicable to them. People want to have <clears throat> in the financial services more memorable experiences and flawless experiences. Mm -hmm. They want to have everything at their fingertips, almost like active traders in the millisecond. And they don't want to spend too much time on that. But at the same time, I see the financial industry also supporting those cross-generational values, this phenomenon of Gen Z being part of something good, uh, part of the uh, community, contribute to society. Now it's spreading all over the generations. And the, uh, one of my colleagues in Kantar coined out this confrontational consumerism um, definition when people treat brands and companies based on their contribution to the society. And I think financial sector is gonna also pay attention to that. Uh, and not only on a larger scale, but also connecting to local communities, support local communities. Because again, if we go back to, and put on our consumer hats, right? This disruption, uncertainty of 21st century and dynamics, right? Create this kind of a triangle where we're constantly moving from one thing to another and that uncertainty and inflation creates that understanding of the risk, right? I'm constantly experiencing risk. How can I allay that risk as a consumer and how I, as a brand, connect with consumers only through building a trust, mm -hmm. understanding consumers' uh, challenges, right? And creating those customized approaches, whether it's about health and bringing healthy ingredients or contributing to local community and supporting the movements, uh, environment, uh, climate change. So all of that. And I think financial services sector is going to embrace that even more than in 2023. Yeah, I love that because there's something about in that tension lies the opportunity to really connect with consumers through your brand and how you show up for them, whether it is, you know, taking care of their privacy, anticipating their needs, et cetera. I think that this is a great time for brands to, to take that, that opportunity. So excellent, excellent uh, perspective on the, the financial industry. So we're going to move to the final dig. This is all about you as a consumer. And so you can feel free to take off your professional hat, the mini hats you wear for a moment. Um, so I'm going to ask you first, what's the last product or service that you bought on impulse? Yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, it's not a low involvement product, but it was a super uh, cyber Monday just very recently. 
Mm -hmm. And because I'm a very active skier, um, I saw this wonderful cargo box by Tuli, uh, deeply discounted on Amazon. And I just snap it uh, because it would allow me to keep our skis on top of the car, mm -hmm. not inside of the car, especially when you're driving back from the slopes. Mm -hmm. So, and it was one of those products, which I was surprised. I was surprised myself as well, because usually uh, stuff like that is considered more high environment product. And you really start doing research and uh, moving towards that. But mm -hmm. really it was like a snap. So like a few hours sales and I got it. So, and I'm glad yeah. I got it because uh, it brought me those unique experiences now. Yeah. And I feel really good about going skiing nowadays. That's excellent. I know exactly the car top care you're talking about. And we definitely believe that impulse drives decisions. And that's a, a great example of that. Um, how about a category or a brand that you could rationalize any price point for? You just need to have it in your life. That's a very good question, Jess. Very interesting. But my answer is very, very simple. Um, I drink lots of um, unnaturally carbonated water instead of mm -hmm. still water. And uh, one of the categories, which I buy at Costco, I guess I start calling the brands, but Pellegrino, Pierre, I can't mm -hmm. live without. And I guess my price elasticity is very inelastic. So that yep. means as they increase prices, it's one category I cannot live without. So yep. I always would buy naturally carbonated water because it's good for your body. So good one. I'm sure they're happy to have you as a brand ambassador and a, and a loyal consumer. <laughs> hopefully they'll hear us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll send it to them. Um, so that's a great brand. And we know that brands do have distinct personalities. And so this is a fun one, but what's a brand that you would like to date? And then what's a brand that you might want to actually marry long-term? Oh, wow. That's a very good one. I think I would date Disney because mm -hmm. they have a family connection because they fun, flamboyant, they different. All those personalities, never a dull moment. It's always celebration, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think Disney would be the one I would date. Mary, you needed something more long-term, stable, excited, uh, exciting, excuse me, but also bringing joy and reliability. And to me, it would be probably one of those German cars, so mm -hmm. which I had in the past. So I would probably do that. So <laughs> that, that's, that's hilarious. So you've got the German car with the car top carrier and your Pellegrino in the cup holder and you're good to go. You created a demographic profile. I even wasn't aware about myself. <laughs> Here we go. Here's where I fit, I guess. You just self-segmented. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael, this has been such a great conversation. Obviously, again, all of our listeners are impacted in some way by consumer spending. So I really appreciated the insights that you shared around the development of SMI at Visa. And it was just a pleasure to hear your perspective. So thanks very much for being here today. Thank you, Jess. It was so eye-opening discussion and I truly enjoyed our conversation. You're a very good person and hopefully we'll do it again in the future. Thank you for Sounds having me. great. Thank you. Until next time, guys. Like what you heard? Share the inspiration or head to diginsights.com to learn more about what we do.